Hello, I'm Phil Smith and welcome to Eurovision in Isolation. This is the podcast that is to Eurovision as QI is to facts. Slightly haughty and not as funny as it thinks. <laughs> Maybe like QI, this would be better with a female host. Do you know a female host that's willing, Simon? <laughs> no. No. No, because no one else will put up with these four panellists. We have Double Trouble, it's Minnie Maya. Hi, Phil. He's our Lion of Love, it's Dan Urban. Hello again, Phil. He's our Volcano Man, it's Alex Smith. <laughs> I'll try and do the uh, Will Ferrell accent for you, hang on. Hello, Phil. Was he Irish? No. <laughs> and he's our Yaya Ding Dong. It's Simon Reckenbach. Hi, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Ding dong. Ding dong. This week, we are focused on the year 2004. It is a year notable for many things, such as Greece winning the Euro 2000 football tournament, uh, Mark Zuckerberg setting up Facebook, and it is so far in the past that there are some celebrities that we've heard of that were born that year. In this case, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things Are Starting to Begin. It's also the year that Toby Hooper remade The Toolbox Murders. I mention that because opposite my notes in my notepad are my notes for the film Toolbox Murders, brackets 2004. So hopefully I don't get any of these notes mixed up. Um, but anyway, any anyone have any particular memories of 2004? We went on that French residency trip, which was probably the most alarming and worrying week of all our lives at that point. Yeah. I'd never seen live chickens held in cages before that point. Mm. I had never and haven't since filled a watermelon with bread. <laughs> or was it the other way around? I don't know. <laughs> neither's good neither's good i'll have to ask my brother and sister who are of this age themselves whether or not this they still do this on trips but i can't believe that even in 2004 they would allow sort of 11 and 12 year olds go to a local french market with some pocket money to buy food to prepare their own lunch both in terms of entrusting 11 and 12 year olds with money and trusting them that they would come back with a balanced meal, which we plainly didn't. Our group <laughs> bought a spit-roasted chicken and a head of lettuce, and that was all we ate. I think I think one group, if I remember rightly, didn't buy any food, but bought firecrackers instead. <laughs> and then when they came back, they were like, well, where's your lunch? And they were like, oh, well, we lost the money. <laughs> yes, anyway. Okay, well, that is clearly our abiding memory of, of 2004. Please do write in with yours. We're available on, on Twitter and Facebook, as well as the podcast being available on Spotify, SoundCloud and iTunes. Right. But 2004 is mostly remembered for Eurovision 2004 that was hosted in Istanbul. Uh, it was hosted by Korhana Bey and Meltem Kumbul. And we will be looking at five songs. So let's not dilly-dally. Let's move straight on to song number one. 
Song number one comes from Poland this week. Poland have entered the uh, bizarrely named Blue Cafe and their song is Love Song. was a love song so our lion of love alex smith Raw. <laughs> <laughs> um thank you phil well what do we have here jay from the inbetweeners a porn star and three from madness sing a confusing number which can't decide if it's going for meandering international pop song or go with a cultural identity number. This bland honking song is lyrically unambitious. When you hear the lyrics, sweet song, love song, for the 25th time, it really does start to grate. Despite a welcome percussion and bass interlude, I can't help but feel like this is more of a lullaby than it is a Eurovision song. It just certainly did not give me Yaki Papai vibes. Very disappointing. Um, parking the music for one side i can't go over the fact that, that that the lead singer in this number has come to sing this song in front of the, the entire world you know an audience of billions hundreds of millions yeah. hundreds of millions in a basically torn up bin bag <laughs> 2004 was really sexualized and i mean I'll, I'll probably touch upon this later but my goodness me that's a very very revealing outfit i think at one point you can even see a bottom <laughs> Uh, Simon, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, I, so I didn't actually realise the lyrics until Alex said that because it's so unclear what she's singing. I thought she was singing Smith's song, Love Song, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, so Sweet Song, that does, uh, yeah, that makes it very boring. Um, I like this song in terms of like how it's, how it's musically arranged. I think it's got a good little groove to it, but the singing is just terrible. Um, I think the guy with the electric guitar and the leather is actually quite a good singer, but the the lead singer, the, her sort of singing style is just terrible, and the chorus is really not very good. And because it's a Eurovision song, the chorus is most of the song. Um, yeah, I, it had potential, but I didn't I didn't enjoy it. That, that's that's probably the kindest you've been to a song that's been non-Swiss over. 16 episodes saying that this song had potential is is, is quite generous really but hey hey you've turned over a new leaf i'm 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 happy uh dan what were your thoughts on this one so as, as alex has already touched on blue cafe are not the first and certainly not the last act to make their centerpiece a woman in a revealing outfit dancing provocatively However, while we're all obviously fans of Calamira, um, side note, I'm trying to make um, reference to Calamira in every episode now, seeing as I'm, I'm about four weeks on the trot. By comparison, this attempt from Blue Cafe comes across as really sleazy. It's like the cliche of a, a drunk aunt at a wedding. Um, but bonus points, because the drummer spends the whole performance performing in the kind of shades that were only ever fashionable in 2004. 
Now, I will tell you, I think those those sunglasses were cool in a very small other moment outside 2004, because I think they look very much like the sort of sunglasses that everyone was wearing around the time of the Matrix. So either bang on trend or five years out of date. Unfortunately, the reggae vibe was about 30 years out of date at this point. Uh, Mini. Yeah, this confused me. Not in a very good way. I don't understand why Poland have brought a reggae-tinged number with a Latin breakdown. I don't know why they've got a leather-clad James Blunt doing some scatting in the background. Yeah, it was just strange. It, it was like a weird throwback to slasher movies from the 19... 19- oh, sorry, that's my toolbox murders notes. <laughs> Hopefully that won't happen again. <laughs> I bet it will. I bet it will. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is one of those weird sort of cross-genre songs that, uh, again, really seem to only happen at Eurovision. Um, but uh, it, it sort of gets overshadowed by her grinding on the leg of a saxophonist. Right, we shall move straight on to Do's and Nil Poir. For those new listeners coming in because we're covering this Polish entry, uh, we give 12 points to our favourite songs and we give nil point to our least favourite songs, very much echoing the Eurovision Song Contest as a whole. Um, so, did anyone like this song enough to give it the 12 points? Did anyone dislike this song enough to give it the nil point? No. So, predictions. So, we have five songs. These songs placed third, eighth, twelfth, seventeenth, and we have a non-qualifier that finished 22nd in the semi-final with nil point, which legitimately has a claim upon being one of the worst Eurovision songs of all time because of the fact that it got nil point in a semi-final which is borderline impressive. Uh, So I shall come to Minnie. How do you think this one did? I am going to say 17th. Okay. Any particular reason? Uh, I just don't see the 2004 Eurovision public going for reggae. I think it, it's generally a good rule that the Eurovision public will not go for reggae. Mm. That is, That does tend to be a good rule. Uh, and with that, we move on to song number two. Song number two comes from a familiar face for us all. Back from our 2009 episode, we covered Greece's Sakis Rubas, and he is back with his song, Shake It. Kiss back. Dan, take us through it. Thank you. After covering one of his other Eurovision entries on the podcast two weeks ago, I'm delighted that we all get to see a bit of Sakis once again. 
Because all else aside, Sakis is a true performer who pours his heart and soul into every performance and clearly relishes the big stage. Oh. His high energy performance clearly has an effect on his backing dancers, who lose all of their clothes in a in a wonderful costume change, which appears slick and unexpected on first watch, but only really because the camera cuts away conveniently at the right moment. I doubt it looked that slick in the arena. Um, it's a shame with this strong performance from Sakis that the song is very vanilla. Um, perhaps not overcomplicating the vocals with this high energy performance was a deliberate choice, but as we know in years to come, he has the potential to do both sing and dance at the same time. They just didn't go with it this time. Alex, any any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, really pleased to see uh, Sakis um, getting his chest out again. To be honest with you, um, uh, you know, I thought chest. that I thought that 2009 Sakis Ruvas was kind of peak, you know, Zante bar owner. Uh, look but his 2004 look is absolutely brilliant I mean wet look gel ripped jeans white jacket you can't really get much more 2004 than that and 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 similarly I think this is another really quite raunchy and sexualized performance but again I suppose of the era 2004 we were kind of peak uh lads mags soft core 2004 kind of culture maybe is that is that a memory that sticks with no, everyone I else think I that's about the right era um so yeah it's it's you know it, from from both him and the backing dancers you know it, they are they mm. are so you know they're gyrating and they're cavorting as dan says there's a there's a you know a well-executed costume change um where where they uh the, the backing dancers strip down to next to nothing it's a catchy song it's 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 pretty good by his standards in 2009 not perhaps not as good but it's still still pretty pretty catchy pretty lively pretty up tempo uh, the thing that got it for me though was the the magic um, <laughs> early on in the uh, early on in the track where he sort of summons two ribbons from uh, what I can only assume is the ass cheeks of these two backing dancers. <laughs> uh, he's got all the hallmarks. Well, I suppose the 2009 performance really has all the hallmarks of this performance because uh, you note that the floor is is white and blue in the Greek colours. He's got the sort of slow, strange intro with the the posing, and it's got, you know, a, a catchy chorus that you'll keep singing, and Sakis getting his chest out again. Like it, it's all all the key components are there, um, so you can see why he came back and tried again. Um, it's peak Sakis, if you will. Um, Simon, did you like this one? I did quite like this one. Um... You said at the start, oh, familiar face, but it's not that familiar, is he? he? does, like, the five years weren't necessarily too kind to Sackers in the face. I mean, obviously, he's still got the, the great bod in 2009, but his, his face is much more wizened, I'd say. Um, I, I can't believe that it did, you know, 2004 to 2009. He did, Do you think he bought a shirt that fit anywhere in the interim, or was it just, like, full-on, no, I don't care if the bottom of my chest is out, if you got it flaunted sort of thing? Yeah, it's, I, it's, a, it's a strange sort of cropped vest that he's wearing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, you wouldn't catch me in that, I tell you. That'd be, that's more like when you've got a T-shirt that's too tight and the sort of the, the bit that flops over your belt is on the show. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I sort of like the traditional Greek dancing element at the start, um, but one of the things I didn't, I wasn't such a fan of the costume change. I thought like I was actually quite enjoying the sort of, empowered women in trouser suits kind of thing. Uh, 
And then halfway through the song, it's like, oh, no, they're not doing that empowered thing. It's 2004. Uh, and then it gets worse with the return of the piratey bum grab. Piratey bum grab. I was going to drop that in. Yes. And, and it's times two, I believe, possibly yeah. times three, and also potentially a piratey boob grab. I didn't see the piratey boob grab. But yes, it's the the sort of strip off to glitter bikinis is 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 not funny when it's done seriously. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that that's obvious to say when I say it like that. But you know, I, I, there could be a place if it's a joke. But I don't. It doesn't feel like a joke in this case. Minnie, what were your thoughts? I liked the choreography, and I think Sakis sells it quite well. I find the chorus very grating and idiotic, though. I don't know if that's just me. What do you mean? Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, and more. Crazy for love. Give me some more. There are too many syllables. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit. They're, trying, they're having to say it too fast. Um, right. Uh, we'll move on to douze pois. Uh, any douze pois for Sackis this time around? Yeah, I'll give this my douze pois. Um by the standards of 2004 it's a pretty up-tempo dancey number uh, and my favourite that we're reviewing this evening Yeah, I'd like to give this my dues point as well despite what I said about the chorus I think it's the best of the evening and it might be Sackett's best work since the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Sorry, I see what's happened there 24 points accumulated for Sackett will it be enough to take him to victory? Who knows? Uh, any nil pois? Lovely. Entirely positive reviews for Sakis there. Not a single word said against him. Uh, predictions. Let's come to uh, Simon. Uh, yeah, tough one. Uh, so I think it's probably done well, third or eighth. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say eighth, but I do think it's better than that. Okay. With that, we move on to song number three. As is quickly becoming traditional, we will be listening to Germany once again. Uh, this year's entry comes from Max Mutzke, and it is called Can't Wait Until Tonight. I hand over to our German correspondent, Mini Meyer. Thank you, Phil. Max sits on a stool and looks like he's trying to pass one for a style I like to call Tossa Nova. His scatological delivery sounds like he's had Maroon 5's songs about Jane in his Audi since 2002. And considering this is easy listening, he sure makes it sound hard. I really hope when you say hard there, you're not referring to the stool. <laughs> I mean, he's really straining, particularly with those high notes. Y yeah, he is. He is. Um, Simon, what were your thoughts? Uh, so I actually quite like it. I, I, I like the Easy Listeners vibe. I think it's well done. I kind of like the, the guitar vibe that goes with it. With our man Stefan Rab, I know, in the background, uh, on the not playing acoustic guitar, but trying to pretend he's playing acoustic guitar. Um, but yeah, then it's got 
it's got this really bad i think it's supposed to be a key change and if it is it's probably one of the worst in the history of Eurovision. there's just that note after note that he just misses after a sort of a fairly solid first two minutes i think um it was like he was in his safe space and then he, he left it and you can see it in Stefan's face afterwards. You can see the camera pants him and he sort of does a little shake of his head. Um, yeah, I'd, I thought it was it was going well and then, yeah, they saw it. he thought, threw it away. I'm sure he still thinks about it now. Fair enough. Dan? Yeah, I really enjoyed the first half of this song. It has a, a laid back kind of vibe. Um, I had this this thing. I was trying to place what does it sound like. I think it I think it has the um, sort of chord progression, I guess. Of um, you, you know, the, remember the Kareen Bailey Ray song. And that was I like that song, so that's that's fine. Um, the second half, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard somebody miss a note so badly. Only dogs can hear it. <laughs> um, yes. So as as Simon pointed out, uh, this is another from the Stefan Raab uh, back catalogue. I have to admit that I I thought I'd covered all of the. Uh, Stefan Raab back catalogue until I, I stumbled upon this one. Uh, the song is written uh, both musically and lyrically by, by Stefan and as Simon acutely pointed out he was there playing the guitar on stage as well um, and Max actually found fame originally uh, by uh, competing on a talent show that was on Stefan Raab's late night show TV Total um so uh, and that was earlier that year and then he went on to get the uh eurovision nod and uh here we are so it was a it was a quick uh rise to fame um mutzka's still a musician uh, still a singer and uh last year he won the first series of the german masked singer as well I believe I'm right in saying he was an astronaut for that. Alex, what were your thoughts on this one? It's a little bit like listening to the sort of German David Gray slash solo Paul Weller with the kind of croaky, soulful attempt. He just misses too many notes, as we've already established it's it's quite nice it's a rarity for eurovision to have an easy listening number i feel like my mum would probably have this on cd in the car <laughs> right then uh douze pois anyone like this german entry yeah i i did think there was slim pickings this week to hand douze to it was between this and sapis i think um but i think for the first Two minutes of this song, I, I'd award that my 12 points, even though I still haven't seen this guy's eyes. Yes, he's... Yeah, we didn't cover that. He is literally singing the whole song with his eyes shut, isn't he? Which is a bit of... Uh, sort of one of those things that they always seem to shout at them on the X Factor or Pop Idol or whatever it is. But um, it's not until you see someone singing the entire song with their eyes shut, so you go, oh, yeah, it's quite creepy. 
That's why, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, any nilpwa? Still no nilpwa. Right, so last two songs, all four of the nilpwa coming up. Here's the show for you. Right, uh, predictions. Uh, Simon, where do you think this came? Ooh, I think it will have come middle of the pack there, so 12th. Okay, okay. Right, we move on to song number four. Song number four comes once again from the Mediterranean island nation of Malta. This is Julie and Ludwig and their wonderfully cryptically titled song, On Again, Off Again. On again, off again. On again, and oh, how I wish it had stayed off again. Um, it's really hard to know where to start with this song. Uh, I don't know what I dislike the most, whether it is the uh, discount Mariah Carey in her cheap Strictly Come Dancing dress, whether it is the very odd choreography where at one point uh, Ludwig walks off to the side of the stage, only to be followed about 10 seconds later by Julie, or the um, strange bobbing and encouraging the audience like they are uh, rock stars, although they are clearly not. Or there could be their sparkling, horrific personalities, or the fact that they seem to sing the whole song in the... Um, pitch and style of Malina Ehrnman singing the verses of Lavoie. I think they are opera singers from the sort of small moments of um, classical style singing in there, but it just means that the rest of it is just awful. There is a thumping techno beat in the background. But if you ask me the thing that I probably hate most about this song, it is the insipid lyrics. They are completely horrific. And with that, I shall calm my rant and hand over to someone who I hope will be much more level with this song, Minnie Meyer. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Phil. These guys seemed like an obnoxious couple doing a cheesy dance number at their own wedding. Dad dancing, 90s cheese, but 2004, so very stale um what else have i written a work of abject horror so grotesque i was watching through my fingers but you know it's mixed up mixed up again nope. <laughs> no no that, that that that's a correct one there's something about the fact that he's planted his feet for the sort of swaying in the in the chorus <laughs> he's in a power he's in a power pose throughout and it's it reminded me of George Osborne at the Conservative Party conference when he was standing there in his strength and power position. No, it was all sorts of wrong. He's sort of dancing like he's never seen it before, like he's only ever had written instructions. 
<laughs> Alex, did you have any thoughts on this song? I feel like this could be the culmination of a kind of straight-to-DVD movie about an office romance that keep having these kind of drunken nights out. And on one of the nights out, they drunkenly agree to write a song about their relationship and somehow it ends up at the Eurovision Song Contest. He even looks like he's come straight from the office uh, with this really weird kind of white dress shirt and um, smart trouser look. That would make a better plot than Eurovision Fire Saga. But um, but yeah, th- I mean, I, I genuinely think this is one of the the worst Eurovision efforts that I've seen, heard, uh, witnessed in my entire time on Earth. I, it really is horrific in so many, many varied ways. Well, I mean, we haven't had the Swissman's entry yet. Simon, what were your thoughts? So mainly I thought, it's a mullet. Oh my God, it's a mullet. Um, and then after that, I just I just found it a bit saccharine. Do you know what I mean? Like a bit too sickly sweet. And Dan, are you in agreement with the rest of us? Well, yes and no. Um, I do agree with a lot of the points, but I do think you've been too harsh, really. One half of this duet kind of nails it, I think. Um, but spoiler, it's not the mullet-sporting love child of Anton Deck. Um, I think Julie, actually, she's got a nice voice and she, she hits all her notes. She does her part of the song pretty well. Um, but Ludwig just doesn't, doesn't pull his weight. I, I don't know if his mic needs turning up or if he's deliberately downplayed because he's the only male singer on Malta and he's, he's an operatic singer, but they don't know how to get him in, so they just turn down his mic a bit. But he just kind of seems a bit subdued compared to Julie on the stage. So the duet, I think, doesn't quite work so well. It it feels very much to me like, um, although I, I I think they're probably around the same age, it it's almost fits into the classic Eurovision genre of a of a disturbing age gap uh, duet. So, uh, having checked this out, according to Wikipedia, they are an actual couple. God, that makes it even worse. So, to, for them to be singing about them being on and off again, it's weird. Yeah, well, and at the end, right, he, he kisses her back, but he doesn't kiss her back, he kisses her dress, which I thought was like a sure sign, oh, they can't be together, because you wouldn't just kiss her dress, that's what, what's, what's the point of that? <laughs> oh, it's always difficult to know where you are under the studio lights, Dan. The Hollywood rule is, if you're sleeping together off screen, you won't have chemistry on screen. So, the fact that this is a couple, and on the stage, appear to be almost repulsively uncharismatic together. Maybe that's the law in action. They were the ones using up all the Eurovision branded condoms at the hotel. My favourite moment uh, from Ludwig's Wikipedia page is this passage, which says, uh, in May 2004, as one half of the duo Julian Ludwig, he and his singing partner, and then real life partner too, Julie Zara managed to qualify for the final. They've snuck that managed to qualify. Someone somewhere has edited in and snuck in that managed to qualify. And over the course of many years, no one's corrected it because it sounds so insincere. Have you just slipped in a spoiler for the predictions? Yes. <laughs> right. Shall we come to the do's poise? 
anyone like this? Simon? Uh, well, not Simon, no. Um, I'm going to give this my deuce point. Fuck it. I think... <laughs> it's genuinely one of the worst calls of all time on the podcast. <laughs> can we... Can can we hear me out, hear me out. Uh, we, we need a new category of hate crime. <laughs> So is this worse than Anouk and the birds? Can we? Well, I was we... going to say we need to at some point do like a retrospective look and sort of put into a table all our twelves and all our nils. I think sort we... of see which direction our personal preferences take us. And Dan, you're putting some humdingers into your twelve column with the birds and with this one. And there was a weird one the other week you chose as well. Um, Gemini, Gemini. <laughs> we should have a playlist. We should each have a playlist. Yeah. And see which one gets listened to more. Put it to the people. Yes. So sorry, sorry Dan. Here was my thinking, right? So this week it was it was a relatively weak week, as I think we can all agree. Um, for me, it was pretty close between three songs. Uh, I think Germany could have had it if the second half Max had managed to make a single note. Um, I think Sakis could have had it if the song wasn't really just vanilla and bland. Um, so this was the one that I was kind of left with after I kind of wrote everything off and was like, well, the song's all right. I quite like the song. Yes, um, the love child of Anton Deck is a strange man. Um, but it was all right. So, yeah, do I I'm going to repeat myself. But, Dan, honestly, that's a terrible take, mate. <laughs> I can't believe you you picked this one. Incredible. But... Diversity makes us stronger. So um, thank you for your um, diverse thoughts. Uh, any nil poires for this one? Yes, nil poire for Malta. This was like watching Frozen 2 on bath salts, I imagine. <laughs> right. Uh, predictions then. Uh, let's go to Alex. Where do you think this came? Uh, yeah, I think they somehow managed to qualify for the final. <laughs> it came 12. Why did I go to Alex for a prediction? That was a fucking awful choice. Um, right, time for song number five. All I can say is that we've still got three nilpois on the table, so that should tee us very nicely up. Song number five. It comes from Piero and the Music Stars. And this is their song, Celebrate! Exclamation mark. Clap your hands, oh, clap your hands. Come on! Everybody just clap your hands. Clap your hands, oh, clap your hands. Have a wonderful time. Celebrate, oh, celebrate. Everybody let's celebrate. Celebrate, oh, celebrate. Because the world is a beautiful place. Put up your hands! Come on, people! Everybody shake it! Shake it, shake it! Ha, 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 ha. Have a wonderful time. As we are. Until we hand over for the review to Simon Rickenback. There is just so much to analyse in this song. It's just so clearly the fever dream of a repressed youth trapped in a landlocked country that still has national service. It's an attempt at like a sing-along upbeat number with the presumably ironically named music stars dressed in block bright colors like CBeebies presenters 
who then encourage you to clap your hands and celebrate with about as much conviction as George Osborne trying to explain the intricacies of the female orgasm. <laughs> I'm just going to pick up on the fact that, do you know what annoys me even more than anything else? The block colours, but one of them is not. One of them is in a sort of floral print shirt. And it's they're like, did you not get the dress code? This, this song is, is so well summarised by the moment, 40 seconds in, when the lead singer hits himself in the face with the microphone. Yeah. Switzerland, yeah. why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> and you can hear it as well. You hear the thud. And then later, later on in the video, I, I, I was like, oh, there's a bit of shadow around his lips. Has he got a really thin moustache? Oh, no, it's a bruise. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Alex. Uh, any better? Um, disappointingly, I'm going to be agreeing with Simon here. Um, I was really hoping he'd like this song for the for the sake of the listeners. Ow. Um, so imagine yourself back um, in 2004, um, and you know, learning French or German at school, and I imagine sort of you know one of the kind of coursework kind of tasks might be write a song in French. This is, I imagine, what would come out in Switzerland if you asked some 14-year-olds to write a song in English. This lyrically, almost stupidly simple song, which repeats the same simple words over and over again of celebrate, celebrate, clap your hands, clap your hands, the world is wonderful, as if, you know, 14-year-old Swiss children have a very limited English vocabulary and hence they have to lean on those limited phrases so often it's like the Swiss Wiggles are kind of yeah. singing this stupid nursery rhyme that is so shit it's so belittling of Eurovision I think awful yeah you don't need to say anymore it's no, fine. Yeah, that's full stop <laughs> yeah Simon any further thoughts uh, yeah, it's got the sound and artistic merit of a song developed at a Christian after-school club. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. Minnie. It's funny, Alex said Swiss Wiggles. I actually wrote down, this is like the tweenies have stumbled through a portal into the flesh world and are trying to sing a Eurovision song <laughs> while coming to terms with the fact that they can bleed now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Simon, what did you think? Uh, in Bern, uh, the Swiss capital, there's a famous 13th century clock called um, the Zuglocke. Uh, it, and it is part of the old Bern UNESCO World Heritage Site. And attached to the side of this clock tower is an open air public urinal. Supposedly, you are not a man in Bern if you have not pissed on the Zuglocke. That is this song, a stinking public pissoir on the side of a cultural landmark. Thanks, Simon. Dan. I love that you've included this film. It's a true test of Simon's extremist nationalism, which <laughs> thankfully tonight we've proven there's a limit. As a mid-90s kids entertainment at Butlins, this is dire. <laughs> For a 2004 <laughs> European entry, it's an insult to the competition. We've said before how songs like Pharrell's Happy try too hard to be feel-good and just end up a bit sickly. Um, this both does that 
and make, fills me with great sadness. Well, that was Piero and the music stars. Um, any dues pois? Anyone secretly loving this one? I mean, I my faith in humanity is somewhat restored after Dan's rebellious dues pois earlier on that um, at least none of you liked it this much. Uh, nil pois then. Uh, shall we start with Dan? Yes, this is my nil pois. Um, the only saving grace is that Piero, or to use his full name, Patrick Mahomes, has just signed the highest contract in sports, so he never has to sing again. Clap your hands to that. Did you just mic drop it? I feel like you did a mic drop at the end of that as well. You hit yourself in the face with the mic. <laughs> Alex, was this your nil pois as well? It certainly was. Thanks, Alex. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Simon, nil? Yeah, this is getting my nil pois. It looks and sounds like an explosion at a wet look gel factory. Uh, right. Uh, predictions then. Dan, where do you think this came? If this got to the final, I, I, then I've lost all hope for Eurovision. This is absolutely a non-qualifier semi-final, 22nd. Nil pois. Uh, right. So that was 2004. What a year. Uh, did we all enjoy it? No. <laughs> I, I feel like it was particularly cruel of me to put those last two songs together at the end of the playlist. Um, it's, I did genuinely struggle to listen all the way through. Um, right, shall I put you out of your misery and reveal the results? So, our third place song was Greece, Sakis Rubas. Uh, in eighth place was Germany and Max. Twelfth, unbelievably, was Malta with On Again, Off Again. Seventeenth place was the Polish entry. And our non-qualifier and legitimate claim to the worst Eurovision song of all time was Switzerland and Piero and the Music Stars. That's something for them to celebrate. Whilst the non-qualifier is not a surprise and Greece is probably the best song in there, the fact that that Maltese song got to 12th place is surely a reason for us to all question ourselves. To question your opinion on the song, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, bold, Dan, very bold. But um, our panellist of the week with uh, correct placing of both the best and worst song does have to go to Mr. Alex Smith. Thank you. Uh, and so this Eurovision was in fact not won by any of these acts. You'll be surprised to know it was won by Ruslana from Ukraine with her song Wild Dances. So next year we are off to Kiev, but not on this podcast. Nope. We are jumping back into our speedboat of musical travel. And it is bringing us pretty much right up to date because next week we are going to be looking at Eurovision 2019. Uh, that was hosted in Tel Aviv in Israel. Um, so I will see you again for five songs from just last year. Surely it's so much better quality than this. Surely. 
please, for the love of God, let it be a better quality. Please. Um, but until next week, it is goodbye from my panellists. Cheerio. And it's Toodle Pip from me. Goodbye. Sorry, yeah. can I come in there? Uh, no, you cannot. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. No, you're right. No, no, <laughs> he was only interrupting the character of Simon Rickenback, not the actual <laughs> Simon Rickenback. It's unfortunate because you guys think that I, I like, oh, Simon has this caricature that he plays. And I think Simon Simon is Simon, who is a person. And, you know, Simon is Simon, who is I, 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 this is just who I am. And then you, you're like, oh, Simon, when, when we get together as a group, he plays this character, this zany character that nobody likes, and we all play up to it. Like, no, that, that is me. That rant was classic Simon, the character, though. Thank you.